we're going to spend the next few, next couple of weeks at least, talking about prayer. And for whatever reason, I waited for a long time. I, I now know that it's because God wanted me to wait until today to, to present this. I have a prayer from a, a friend of mine's personal experience that he wrote down for me years ago that I've never, I've never used. And I've got his permission to use it today. And I pray that it resonates with you like it resonates with me. And I'm going to begin the message today with what he wrote about his experience with prayer. He said, for years, the only thing I knew about prayer was that it didn't work for me. I tried it and nothing changed. At 15 years old, I sat on my lawn outside my house and begged God to spare my father's life. But cancer killed him anyway. My motives weren't selfish. My tears were authentic. I did everything exactly the way I was told to in Sunday school, and yet nothing happened. Prayer was a colossal waste of time. God was as distant from me as my earthly father had been all of my 15 years. And when dad died, any desire I might have to know the heavenly father died with him. I tried to take it to the Lord in prayer. I tried that thing, and it didn't work for me. Years later, when God used the mess I'd made of my life to humble me and to show me how much I needed Jesus, I still struggled with the idea of prayer. My pastor said it was the key, the key, to keeping relationship with God fresh, and yet it didn't work for me. I got up early every day and had a quiet time. I'm, I'm, hearing, I'm hearing myself. Okay, come back. Come back, you guys. Come back. My pastor said it was the key to keeping a relationship with God fresh, and yet it didn't work for me. I got up early every day and had a quiet time. I followed the schedule my pastor gave me. I copied the language I heard prayer warriors use, and yet nothing changed. When I listened to public prayers in church services, it seemed that the people were telling God what to do or giving hints to the rest of us about what we should believe or how we should behave. And prayer continued to feel like a colossal waste of time. In seminary, I was even more confused. Professors constantly challenged us to lead from our knees. Prayer was the primary way we were supposed to do the work of God. Our models were Martin Luther, Dwight Moody, E.M. Bonds, Praying Hyde, Billy Graham, and Teresa of Calcutta. These leaders spent hours in prayer and attributed the impact of their lives and ministries to that one essential thing. But for all the talking we did about prayer in seminary, we seldom practiced it. And though it ranked high on the surveys of theoretical importance, it ranked low on the surveys measuring actual personal satisfaction. And apparently I wasn't alone in my frustration over prayer. 
In the years that followed, I found reasons not to pray. They were theological, there were theological reasons. First, if God is sovereign and he does whatever he wants to do anyway, why would my praying or not praying make a difference? Second, God is a God of grace, isn't he? Prayer seemed like a religious duty to me that smacked of legalism, and I didn't want to be legalistic. And then there were practical reasons. I had so much to do every day. How in the world could anybody find the time just to pray? And when I did try to pray, all the stuff I had to do would distract me. I felt as if I was neglecting my work to spend 30 minutes trying to pray. And then there were philosophical reasons. <laughs> I struggled with doubt when it came to prayer. If prayer makes a difference, then why does God let evil advance in the world? How can anyone believe in a God who would listen to prayers about parking spaces or job promotions and yet ignore the cries of Holocaust victims in Germany, Russia, China, and Africa? The stuff of my prayers seemed petty in comparison to these. And finally, there were personal reasons not to pray. I simply did not like to do it. Prayer was about developing an intimacy with God, and frankly, I've never been very good at intimacy. I like relationships that are task-oriented and cause-focused. Prayer calls me to stop focusing on the work of God and learn to simply be His companion in His presence. Wow. I know if you're like me, some of you in here, several parts of this experience with prayer. And there are many of you that connect with much of what he had to say about prayer. You've struggled with prayer, yet you, you've desperately wanted to, to find some kind of freshness in your connection to God in prayer. I know I have. And so what I'm going to ask you to do for the next couple of weeks, I want you to put aside everything that you've learned or studied or heard about prayer. And I want you to open your hearts and your mind to, to a, dis, a new, fresh discovery of prayer and what it's all about. And I can't think of a better passage to turn to talking about prayer than the one that Jesus gave us. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, where you'll find what we call the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6. Now the prayer itself begins at verse 9. The discussion of what prayer is really all about begins at verse 5. So, let me in your Bibles. This is Jesus talking here. As, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites who love to stand and pray in the synagogues, the places of worship, and at the street corners that you may be seen by others. And truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. And pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. 
And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The first thing I want to say, point out to you about what Jesus told his disciples here is, is that I don't think that Jesus expected his to pray word for word what he just prayed every single time they prayed. In fact, I believe that Jesus instructed his disciples really carefully here not to pray in vain, repetitive pray or, or phrases of prayer like the Gentiles did, but instead, I believe that Jesus in this was a pattern and a picture and the principles for prayer, not merely words to memorize or recite. And so there are four primary principles here in this passage that I want to raise for you. We're going to look at two of them today, and then we're going to look at two next week. So, the first thing I want you to recognize is Jesus tells us that prayer is not about the many words that we use. Prayer is not about how loud we can pray or the tenor. It's not about the eloquence of our words. Prayer is not about how Aphrodite or scholarly we can be. <laughs> prayer is simply, listen to me now, prayer is simply and profoundly a dialogue between the lover and his beloved. And in this case, when we're praying to God, God is the supreme lover, and we are his beloved. And get this now, because this is important. God, the supreme lover, pursues us first. I am pursued by God. Everybody say this. I am pursued by God. Listen, is the only religion where deity pursues creation. I am I am pursued by God. <laughs> okay. I've been married 37 years, man. I like that. I've been married 37 years, you guys. Yeah, I thank you. Thank you for that. Um, and, and to this day, I still do things to pursue my wife. And she does things to pursue me. Listen, I, I, I love it when she does things that just blows my doors off. And I'm not the perfect love, but God is the perfect lover. 
Listen to me, man. This is so good. God knows every hair on your head. He knows everything about you. He knows what you like, what you dislike. He, makes, he knows what makes your blood boil. He knows what makes your liver quiver. Come on now. God knows everything about you, man. <laughs> he knows what makes, what gives you joy. He knows what makes you feel gratitude. He knows what will stop you dead in your tracks. God pursues us. <laughs> Let me tell you about prayer. And the, and the lover. The truth is prayer doesn't really begin with us talking to God. Get this, guys. This is a paradigm shift, man. Jesus says the Father knows what you need before you ask it. He's already pursuing you. The fact that he knows what I need means that before I can even ask him anything he knows and that I never have to explain myself because he already knows. My father knows what I need and he's already determined to meet my needs according to his will for my life. Hmm. So hear this now. With that in mind, prayer is not about performing a duty for God so he will hear me. It's about positioning myself so that I can hear him. So this is the first principle of prayer. Position yourself to listen. We have to position ourselves to listen. Let me say it again. God is not about, it's, prayer is not about working to get God's attention. It's about yielding to God and giving him my attention. Prayer is about aligning myself with God and his purpose for my life. It's not about achieving hierarchical spiritual status so that God will align himself with me. Man, listen, listen. This, is, this, this paradigm shift will change your life. I don't have to try to achieve some kind of deep spiritual status so God will align himself with me. Prayer is simply about me positioning myself and aligning myself with God. Hmm. God pursues us. He's always speaking. God is always speaking. He's always speaking. He is always speaking. And my role is to listen. It's to hear. Let's position myself to hear. I want to talk to you about time. Most of you know Greek language gives us two aspects of time. One is called chronos. Kronos is linear time. Kronos is time placed in eternity for the sake of humanity. That's what Kronos is. More specifically, Kronos 
Chronos for us is from the time from the time the doctor slaps us on the behind and we take that first breath out of shock and go, ah! And time begins for us. To the day where we are laying by the bedside and we breathe out our last breath. That's chronos for us. But the other aspect of time that the Greeks give us is kairos. Kairos is a moment in time. Remember, I'm talking about God always speaking now. Kairos is a moment in time where the will of God and the purpose of God for our lives invades our lives, invades our thinking, invades our kingdom, invades our established mind. God just does something, boom, and the will of God collides with our will and just disintegrates our will, and we know in that moment that God is speaking to us. It can be something catastrophic, something as simple as walking across the street and a bird flying over your head, and for some reason it gets your attention. God is speaking. God is always speaking. And he speaks first. So see, this represents a, a major paradigm shift here for us in our thinking that, that prayer is a conversation that, that begins with me because it's not. The prayer conversation begins with God. I don't initiate the conversation. God does. So if, I'm, if, I'm, if I believe that I'm the person that initiates prayer, then prayer becomes about my ability and, and my due diligence. I reach out to God, and he reciprocates by responding to my needs. And let me tell you something. This line of thinking is not about glorifying God. It's about glorifying me. It's about what I can do to earn God's favor. If, however, we start with the premise that God initiates, then everything I do is merely a response to the lover. He speaks to me, and I position myself to listen. He does his work in me so that the Holy Spirit can flow through me. He is the vine, I'm the branches, and I get to be the recipient of his love. So here's the practical question. How do I position myself to listen? Because in my experience, and you've heard me say this many times, especially over the summer, different people hear in different ways from God. There's, there's things that, that stimulate you that don't stimulate me to hear the voice of God. Some people are stimulated by worship music. They get in a spot, man, they put their headphones on, and they'll go to worship, and man, it's like trying to pull teeth to get them just to answer the phone. Because they get in that spot. Some people, some people experience God in art. Some people experience God in creation. Some people experience God by taking a walk in the park or taking a walk, you know, on a, on a path on Alaska Trail. People experience God in different ways. Some people experience him in communion. God has uniquely designed each one of us to connect with him in a different way. But listen, the foundation for our ability to hear God's voice 
comes from knowing his word. Hearing God's voice for being in position to hear God's voice. Hmm. I'm going to touch on that a little more a little bit later. But from our scripture today, Jesus gives us three practical ideas about positioning. First, he says this. He says, when you pray, keep it honest. He says, don't be like the hypocrites who do what they do for a show. For a show. Everybody say show. You know, the word hypocrite comes from the ancient theater. It's a picture of an actor who throughout the, the course of a drama will take off different masks and put on another so that he can play several all by himself. He goes from mask to mask, one person. And the point that Jesus is making here is take off the mask when you pray. Take off the mask when you pray. Prayer is not a performance. It's an honest and vulnerable dialogue between you and God. I asked Lee Hudson if he remembered this this morning. Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to warn you in advance. This is, this is PG-13, what I'm about to say. But I, I really felt like I had a grasp on prayer, man. I've been praying all of my life. For as long as I can remember, I've, 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 I've prayed. And, and it was many years ago now, probably 15 years ago or so, maybe somewhere around there. I was just brand new to Change Point. Um, I had just started to work with the worship team. And for what room that we normally rehearsed in, wasn't available, and so we had to go over to, to ACC um, and, uh, and, and, and worship there, and practice there at Anchorage City Church. And when we got there, someone told us about this, this really bad thing that happened to one of the major leaders in our church and his family. And it was devastating to those who knew this family. And I didn't know this family. So we took the time to just gather up in a circle and pray for this family. There's probably eight or nine of us. And each one of us took a turn. And when it came to me, I just got to tell you, I didn't know this family. But I could. Something like this. Father, you said all things work together for the good of those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. And, and I don't know this family, but I know that there is something in this that you're trying to get them to understand or to surrender. And so I ask for your perfect will to be done. Nothing wrong with that prayer. What happened next wrecked me and changed my life. There was a guy standing on this side of me. His name is Paul Seraphin. And there was a pause between myself and Paul. And Paul stood there with tears running down his face, and he said, God, I'm 
pissed off at you right now. Because I don't know what the hell you're doing. And the hair on my arm started standing up and I thought, lightning. Surely God's going to strike this guy down. I don't know what the hell you're doing, God. And then he said, but you know me, and I know you, and I trust you. And in that moment, I thought, how transparent, how vulnerable, how real, how honest. If God knows everything about us anyway, why would we try to hide how we feel? I understand the reverence that we should have with God. But I tell you, man, the times that I've had with my dad, and this is contrary to anything that I thought would happen when I was growing up, the best times I've had with my dad when I just said, okay, dad, let's just put it on the table. I'm just going to give it to you man to man. Bam! My dad was like, oh, man, I love it. Now we can talk. Our God is the same way, man. Prayer is about being honest and keeping it honest. God is never offended when we tell him the truth and when we bring the truth to him. And so it's senseless to try to hide behind a mask. Second thing I hear the Lord say here is when you pray, keep it focused. Matthew 6 and 6 says, but when you pray, everybody say, when you pray. So, so, so that's indicative of the fact that we need to be praying, right? So when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. <laughs> Anybody ever have a tough time focusing when it comes time to pray? Okay, let me see your hands if you got a tough time when it. Look at this. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> it seems, I'm telling you, man, I thank God because this is the story of my life. It seems every time I get ready to sit down and pray, everything comes to my mind. Man, you forgot to send that email. Man, you need to pay that bill. To make that phone call. <laughs> this is the worst right here, man. Sun, the sun is shining outside. It's a beautiful day. I'm trying to pray. And I hear on, this, on my, my next door neighbor across the street. That's a Hardy Davidson, by the way. And I'm like, Satan, the Lord rebuke you in Jesus' name. <laughs> I get distracted, man, because I want to ride my motorcycle, right? <laughs> I'm down, I'm, 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 I finally got it dialed in, and all of a sudden, ding, a reminder pops up on my iPad that I, and it reminds me of something that is two days down the road. Come on. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 
And so I agree with Philip Yancey, who wrote the book on prayer. He wrote a book on prayer, and he said, against all mathematical odds, these interruptions seem to multiply during times of prayer. So here's what I want to do. I want to offer you six suggestions for dealing with distraction in prayer. And I put them up on the screen. Nate will put them up on the screen. We're going to leave them up there for a little while so you can write them down. Here's the first one. Pray in a place free from all electronic devices. <laughs> you know what? You know what? This, isn't this indicative of the world that we live in today? Because I said, pray in a place that's free of all electronic devices. And everybody said, ha, ha, ha. But I'm telling you, if you bring it in there with you, it is more than likely going to be a distraction. Right? Here's the second. Carve out. Everybody say carve out. It is not going to happen if you don't do it. Carve out a quiet time and space. Listen, for those of you who have young kids or you have people that stay in your house and, and you're not, you know, you've got, you've got people running around all the time, one of the best investments that you can make, the best, one, the best $200 I spent in a long time, well, this, these are old, is these, these Bose noise-canceling headsets. Because people could be screaming at you, you're not hearing them. <laughs> well, it depends on who's screaming at you, actually. <laughs> yeah. Outside of Jesus and my wife, maybe I probably won't hear you. But these things, man, listen, these things are like 15 years old, man. Great investment. Invest in some of these if you're in an environment where you just can't get away and then carve out some space for yourself to be alone with God. Keep a piece of paper and pencil handy. Jot down these random thoughts that keep flying through your mind. Listen, I heard this guy, I'm not an aircraft aviation guy, but I heard this guy one time talk about aircraft get uh, ice on the wings because the moisture in the air uh, I, there's a term called super cool water droplets. When I first thought, I said, now that's pretty super cool. Super cool water droplets. But these droplets are kind of like they're moist in the air, and they're just, they're just circling around looking for a place to land. And when those wings come, they grab that wing and they latch on. Often when you're in your prayer time, you got these thoughts rolling around in your head. They're like super cool water droplets just looking for a place to land. Write them down. Land them on a piece of paper. Pray about something you really care about. <laughs> Incorporate distractions in your prayer time. Lord, in the name of Jesus, bless Dave as he's riding that Harley on this nice day with the beautiful weather in Jesus' name. <laughs> listen, and, and listen, you, okay, all right. I know that's humorous, but you never know what that prayer is going to do. God might be using you in that moment, moment to save that person's life. Wow. Okay, and then journal your prayers. Writing down your thoughts that you have while you pray can help keep you focused. 
Prayer is a conversation between two people. And if we're talking about something that we, that are, that's genuinely important to us, we're not easily distracted. I love what British theologian Herbert McCabe says as he gives advice for prayer. He says, people often complain of distractions during prayer. Their mind goes wandering off on other things. This is nearly always due to praying for something you don't really much want. And if you're distracted, trace your distraction back to the real desire it comes from and pray about that. And when you're praying for what you really want, you won't be distracted. Now check this out. People sinking on ships do not complain about distractions during prayer. (laughs) We We generally pray about things that we care about. And that's why many of us fail to fervently pray until God allows a crisis in our lives that drives us to our knees. So the main thing to remember is that prayer isn't about performing so God will hear us. It's about positioning ourselves so that we can hear God. That's the first principle. Here's the second one. We find it also in Christ's pattern for prayers to rehearse the truth about God. Start with what you know to be true about God and then go from there. Here's what I know to be true. And Jesus said it. I start with our Father, my Father. (laughs) That speaks to my new identity in Christ. Our Father. And And then I can shift my focus to the greatness and the goodness and the compassion and the mercy and the love and the grace and the long suffering of our Father. Hmm. That's why I love, I, most people will start a prayer. You say, pray, will you pray for me? And most people will say, okay, I will. Dear God, or Heavenly Father, or God our Father, an acknowledgement of who he is. Meetings where, where we, we come out of that and go into a, a, a place of thanksgiving, just thanking God for who he is. Man, notes, but somebody needs to hear this. We have been spoiled in the United States. We live in the land honey, man. We want ice, we just walk up to our refrigerator, don't even have to open the door anymore, just put a glass underneath the thing ice comes out. Water comes out. Look, pure, purified water. Go to bed at night, the house is warm. Don't have to get up and stoke the fire. Wake up the next morning, the house is warm. Come on, somebody. Go to the shower. Don't have to heat up water if you have water to heat. Don't have to heat up water on the stove just to take a shower. Just turn the knob or flip the switch. Boom. Got to go down the street, fire up your nice car, go down the street. I could go on and on and on and on about the practical things that we take for granted that we can be thankful for. Yeah? Okay, I'm almost done. 
So prayer should start with the truth about God. How does this look practically? The psalmist tells us in Psalms 34 and 8, he says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And we see that God is good when we just take time to meditate on His Word. I love how the Psalms start off. Psalms 1, it speaks to meditating on God's Word. It challenges us to really grasp the character of God. <laughs> Blessed is the man that doesn't walk in the counsel of the other. Or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, his delight is in the law or the word of God. And in that law or in his word does he meditate day and night. He mutters, he utters, he speaks, he ruminates day and night. What will happen? This person will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That brings forth its fruit in its season, its leaf will not wither, and whatever this person does will prosper. That's the truth about God. That's prayer. And we get to embrace the truth of his omnipresence. It means, listen, listen, it means that I get to enter into prayer with God knowing that he's already there. He's already working in my world and the world around me. When I understand that God is speaking and he's always speaking, I realize that he's never silent. Even when I don't hear him, he is still speaking. And not only that, but he's waiting patiently for us to position ourselves so that he can give us an encounter that will change our life forever. So prayer is never about telling God what to do. And Lee and team, if you'll come forward. It's never about telling God what to do. It's not even about asking him to do what we want him to do. Prayer is about asking God to show us what he's already doing and then to empower us to align ourselves with his will for his individual will for our lives. So here's what I'd like for you to do this week. I want you to take some time this week. <laughs> Listen real close. I want you to take some time this week to talk to God just like he's sitting in the chair next to you. I want you to take time to talk to God this week like he is your dearest, closest friend. I want you to take time to talk to God with the passion that you have, that the same passion, even greater passion that you had when you could not wait to get on the phone to talk to the lover and be pursued by the lover. Talk to him that way because he's present. 
He is right there in the room with you. He doesn't want to be your greatest responsibility. He wants to be your highest love, your greatest love. Next week, we're going to take a look at two other aspects of prayer. Alignment and yielding ourselves in prayer to God. Did you get something out of this today? Amen. Will you stand to your feet? We're going to sing this song. And we're